It's a crossover Thursday on today's Locked on Giants podcast. Sosa Kramejas joins me on the program to talk about the Los Angeles Rams who visit the New York Giants this Sunday at MetLife Stadium. That's coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and thank you so much for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen or first watch if you're on YouTube of the day. Really appreciate all the feedback and, of course, all the uh, the, the listens, the views, everything. It's uh, great to know that some of these shows have been therapeutic for some of you and um, just rolling right along and trying to do the best we can with giving you content that is worth your while. And speaking of content that is worth your while on today's show, we have another crossover edition. Special guest is Sosa Kramejas. He is the host of the Locked on Rams podcast. And Sosa is going to tell us everything we need to know about the Los Angeles Rams who come in to play the Giants this weekend at MetLife Stadium. And then also I reciprocated. I was on Sosa's show and you'll be able to hear that also on Thursday. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes below if you want to check that out and hear what I had to say about the Giants. So anyway, that is coming up. The crossover segment is coming up. But first, I want to talk about the Giants injury report. And I'm not going to go through the entire injury report. I just want to talk about a couple of things really quickly. And uh, there's good news and there's uh, some questionable news, for lack of a better term. So I want to start with the good news. And the good news is, is I really believe that the Giants will get at least two, if not three, of their receivers that are on the injury report this week, those being Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and Kadarius Toney. I think they will have at least two of those guys available for Sunday's game against the Rams. And gee, what it, talk about timing. I mean, with Kenny Galladay not expected to play, that's really going to be huge for the Giants to have those two, at least two of those guys available for Sunday. A um, couple of other notes on the injury report. Andrew Thomas projected as not practicing. The Giants held a walkthrough yesterday, so their injury report was projected. And Andrew Thomas, with that foot injury, still on the report. And uh, I'm telling you, folks, I'm getting a little bit concerned about that because, um, you know, he continues to get treatment. And if he's not able to practice or continues to be limited, you have to question if the treatment is working or if they have to maybe go to a plan B, so to speak, a.k.a. surgery, to fix that. Now, I don't know if that's the plan, but... uh, I do know it's kind of concerning that that um, you know after being limited and last week towards the end of practice and then not playing in that game against Dallas that he is projected to have not practiced on Wednesday. We'll see how the rest of the week goes. Maybe he'll be limited, but um, you know, do the Giants really want to continue with him being just an emergency option? I would think no, but we will see if that's what they decide to do. 
All right. Now, I want to talk about Daniel Jones, who was listed as did not practice or projected, I should say, as did not practice um, on Wednesday. Much was made of head coach Joe Judge talking about how if Jones passes the protocol um, or clears the protocol, I should say, that there is a possibility he can play on Sunday. You know what? Here's my feeling on that. All right. First off, if I had to take a guess as to where in the, the five-phase protocol Jones is, I would probably put him in phase two, which means he's got a way to go before he's going to be cleared to play um, in any game. That said, even if he is cleared, I don't know if I'm the Giants, if I would put him out there, given the way this, given where they are right now in the season with their record. All right. They're one in four. And look, here's the thing. All summer long, Joe Judge was particularly careful with guys coming off of injuries. Saquon Barkley, um, Kyle Rudolph, Kadarius Toney. Uh, the list goes on and on. Why would you want to rush your quarterback back from a head injury, no less? You know, why would you want to? And, you know, let's throw the record out as it is. Let's, let's, let's forget about the fact that they're one in four and probably aren't going anywhere this season. You were ultra conservative and careful with Saquon Barkley, Kyle Rudolph, Kadarius Toney, Kenny Galladay. Why would you make an exception for Daniel Jones? All right. Now, do I have to point out the fact that last year, Daniel Jones was able to uh, come back miraculously after suffering a hamstring strain? Um, he missed one game and then uh, came back. And uh, Joe Judge sat there and told everybody how he believed that Daniel showed enough to where he could protect himself in the pocket. And he got there against that fierce uh, Arizona pass rush. And what happened? That's right. He got injured worse, suffered an ankle sprain, and he had to miss more time. Why? Because they rushed him back. Now, part of that, to be fair, was on Daniel because Daniel doesn't like to miss time. And Daniel will sit there and he will try to sell the coach a false bill of goods and say, yeah, you know, it's not a big deal. I feel better. I feel better. When in fact, it's like, you don't really think about it, but you know, you don't really appreciate how badly you felt until you go back and you think about it. Would Joe Judge make that same mistake? Because now we're talking a head injury. You don't want to mess around with that. You are talking a head injury. You are potentially looking at a game where you might not have Andrew Thomas in the lineup where, you know, Matt Skura, uh, turned up on the injury report with a, a knee injury, all right? So now you've got Wes Martin in there where your tight ends haven't been blocking well. Do you really want to put Daniel Jones in there so soon? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, they should never put Daniel Jones in the lineup the rest of the year. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is I would not rush this kid back, all right? If he doesn't get in the practice time, which I would be surprised if he does, don't put him out there. I don't care if he's cleared on Sunday morning. If, if he comes in and he gets that, all, all systems go. Don't put him out there. Let the kid get his feet back underneath him in practice. Let him get a full week of practice in or at least a, a limited week of practice in at the very least. 
And then you talk about putting them out there. But again, after being so conservative with injuries, why would Daniel Jones be any different at this point? It makes no sense. And that's why if I had to guess now, you know, this is subject to change, obviously, and this is only my opinion. But if I had to guess, we will not see Daniel Jones against the Los Angeles Rams, nor should we. Do you agree? Disagree? Drop a comment in uh, the comment sections below, or if you're listening to this on uh, any of our audio podcast platforms, send me an email and let me know what you think. The address is in the show notes, Locked on Giants Podcast at gmail.com. I'd be curious to see if I'm the only one who feels this way. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm I'm crazy in my thoughts, but it just doesn't make sense given how ultra conservative they were with the other guys, why they would look to rush Daniel Jones back even once he's cleared from a head injury, which to me is a very serious injury that you just don't mess around with. All right, folks, coming up in just a moment, Sosa Kramenhas of the Locked on Rams podcast joins me for the crossover section of the show. We'll have that for you in just a moment, right after this. All right, Giant fans, we have much more coming up on today's show. But first, let me tell you about Rock Auto. If you do a lot of driving like I do, you probably need a lot of maintenance done on your car every so often. And no matter what you need for your car, Truck Rock Auto is sure to have it in its extensive online catalog. RockAuto.com offers brand name parts for every make, model, and manufacturer at highly competitive prices, and they ship right to your door. So visit RockAuto.com and be sure to write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About us box so that they know we sent you. That's rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Rockauto.com. And welcome back, Giant fans, to the crossover section of the Locked on Giants podcast. My name is Patricia Trena, and this week it is the Los Angeles Rams is on the schedule. They're coming into MetLife Stadium for Sunday's game. And joining me now to break down the Los Angeles Rams is Locked On Rams host, Sosa Kramejas. Sosa, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a good game, I think. Of course, these two teams know each other a little bit. We uh, did this last year and the Rams barely came out on top, which you know I thought was a surprising game. It was a bit more competitive than I expected, but um, Hopefully we get two relatively healthy teams, but we'll break all that down here in uh, in just a second. But we'll see. It should be a good game either way. Yeah, I, I can only keep my fingers crossed that the Giants are going to be healthy, but I'm not optimistic about that. But anyway, for my listeners and my viewers, so so let's talk about the Rams offense. Um, now, you and I, I think, spoke um, over the summer about the Rams offense and the changes. The biggest change, of course, being at quarterback. What based on what you've seen through the first five games, how has that offense been different with Stafford at quarterback as opposed to golf? Yeah, I think it's really been very different, right? You look at uh, the principles, the the stylistic play, uh, the way they call plays. I mean, it just feels like from the most basic concepts to uh, the very in-depth stuff, everything's really just changed up. I feel like uh, they're much more incessant on attacking the deeper parts of the field. They're not really going to be uh, scared to attack the deeper part of the field. You see Matthew Stafford, of course, is a guy that loves to push the ball vertically. Um, and it's come up a lot throughout this season already. I mean, only through five games, they've already had 
as many explosive plays as they did basically all of last year. So uh, it really shows in terms of even just the, you know, the nuanced things, the third and tens where last year it might've just been a screen pass where the Rams were kind of just not really trying to implode and they were happy to punt and sort of play that positional game versus now, you know, you look back to last game where the Rams played the Seahawks third and 10 Matthew Stafford airs it out to Deshaun Jackson for a 68 yard gain down the sideline. So uh, it's really different. I think uh, everything is different from the play calling to the way they attack defenses to uh, the play of the quarterback. I, I just think they feel a lot more comfortable with the veteran status of Matthew Stafford. He's not going to be a guy that's going to throw many boneheaded, boneheaded interceptions. He's not really going to kill you. So uh, I, I just think they feel a lot more comfortable giving him the freedom to really do whatever he likes. And so far, I mean, you can't really complain. I feel like the offense has been a lot better and a lot more efficient than they were last season. Now, a big reason for that has been the Rams offensive line, which if I'm not mistaken, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, I think Stafford's only been sacked four times, I think, this season, least yep. sacked quarterback in the NFL. That offensive line has been playing lights out. What's been the difference for them? I don't really know. I mean, they got a new coach there on the offensive line, which is, uh, you know, kind of a surprising move over the offseason. The Rams let go of Aaron Cromer, who was there for a long time and was heralded as one of the top O-line coaches in football. And then they bring up uh, Stanford offensive line coach Kevin Carberry, who's made all the difference, I guess. And then you look at, you know, some of the minor changes as well. They go from Austin Blythe at center to now Brian Allen, who was Blythe's backup last year. And he's playing better than Blythe did last year. So I just feel like this unit's done a very, very good job at gelling. Everyone feels like they feel very comfortable with how the guy to the left and to the right of them plays. They look like they're in unison when playing, you know, blocking for the run. And in pass pro, like you mentioned, only allowed four sacks. And uh, there's really not enough good things you can say about their performance right now. I feel like they've just been so, so good in pass protection. And I think Matthew Stafford tying back in with that first point really does help them out as well. I mean, this is a guy who knows how to maneuver inside the pocket, very good footwork, very nimble, and he just knows when to step up or when to leave the pocket. And so uh, that marriage has worked out very well. And I think so far, you know, there's really been no limit to what these guys can do on offense just because of that protection that Matthew Stafford is provided in the pocket. And it allows him to really attack that deeper part of the field because, you know, when it's third and 10 and you're trying to throw 30, 40, 50 air yard passes, you need time back there. So I think it's worked out really well. And you can't give those guys enough credit on the offensive line. Indeed. Now, is it fair to say that the Rams have a legitimate one-two punch at receiver with Cooper Cup and Deshaun Jackson? I think it is, yeah. I mean, I feel like Robert Woods is a little bit unheralded in terms of his performance this year. And, uh, you know, we saw him go off in week five against the Seahawks there, uh, which was good to see because he wasn't really included much throughout the first four games. And it felt like the Rams sort of forgot about him in a sense that, he just wasn't really being utilized. And of course, this is still a work in progress, right? The Rams don't play anybody in the preseason. So everyone on the offense is still gelling. It's still clicking. They're still trying to get that chemistry down. And when you go into a new season with a new quarterback, learning a new system, it, these things take time. I mean, you look back to last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, takes upwards of 10 to 12 weeks to really get comfortable in that offense. So you know, I still feel like they're still trying to work out a lot of those kinks. You can always see that chemistry or lack thereof come up every now and again. But for the most part, I think, you know, that receiver core is really good. Of course, you got, like you mentioned, Cooper Cup and Deshaun Jackson, who's the big play threat. And then Robert Woods, of course, but also Van Jefferson, a second year player who's really, really performed well this season. And he and Jackson sort of rotate at that wide, wide receiver three spot. And uh, both guys have been good. So I feel like this offense is just as deep as you really want it to be. 
And of course, we also have to round it out with Daryl Henderson, who's kind of been a surprise stepping up, I think, uh, after losing, you know, after the Rams lost Cam Akers. And there were some question marks, I'm sure, about the running game. But uh, Henderson has really looked good, I think. Yeah, he's another piece that's obviously been very important for the Rams here. Uh, they lose Cam Akers, the original starter at running back in the offseason. He tore his Achilles, so probably going to be out the entire season, unfortunately, for him. Uh, but luckily for the Rams, they kind of invested in this running back spot more than most teams do. They traded two third-round picks to move up in the third round a few years ago to go draft Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. And uh, he's been a guy that's never really been used too much, but every time he's sort of hit the field over the last couple of seasons, we've saw that flash of explosiveness and the ability to really play and uh, really the only thing that's held him back this season has been the lack of durability, right? He's been knocked out already once, missed a game, and then he comes back, gets shaken up in that Thursday night football contest. You can see his arms sort of bothering him. And then the Rams have to kind of plug in Sony Michelle as his backup there to sort of just give him a breather. But for the most part, I really feel like Henderson's been a tremendous player for the Rams, uh, a very subtle running back, a guy who's never really going to do anything crazy, but he definitely gets what's there. Uh, and he can always create a little bit at that second level. So I feel like you know, they feel very comfortable with his performance so far, and he's been very solid for them in that regard. Okay, so a solid Rams offense. Where is the weak spot on this unit if there is one? I'm not sure that there is one right now. You know, they're really, really playing well. I think if there's maybe one area that they have to just clean up, it's that chemistry. You know, you see some of these times where Cooper Cup might be running wide open or Robert Woods might be running wide open, and Matthew Stafford just airs the pass way over their head or is too far left, too far right. And a lot of these are gimmies. Like these guys are very talented. These are, uh, these should be very easy catches and conversions, but sometimes you see it creep up every now and again. So, you know, the offensive line, good. The weapons, great. Uh, the running game, very solid. The quarterback, I think, is playing probably the best ball of his career so far. So there's not really been too many weaknesses for this offense. There's been a couple of turnovers here or there, nothing too crazy. So that might be an area of weakness there, but I really think that the lack of chemistry still is probably the number one priority for them to smooth out here. So if you're the New York Giants, how do you attack the Rams with success? You know, that's tough. I think you have to really rely on your coverage at the back end. you got to hope that those guys can hold up against these receivers, which is much easier said than done. Uh, but the number one way I would say is probably just try to confuse Matthew Stafford as much as possible. You know, your best hope is going to be disguise some of those coverages pre-snap, rotate a little bit post-snap and blitz. I, I mean, you got to get home. He's been way too comfortable this season, I think, in that pocket. And the more time you give him, the more he can survey the field. He's a guy that, you know, through five games now that I've gotten to really watch him, he's really, really good with his eyes. He knows how to go through those progressions. So the less time he has back there, I think the more of a chance you have at success, obviously much easier said than done, only been sacked four times. But if you can't get home with that four-man pass rush, I definitely think you're going to have to blitz and just really live and die by the blitz and hope that you can get home a couple of times. Because uh, if you give him that time, he's really going to find a way to pick you apart. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, get all the latest news, odds, info, and sign-up bonuses for all your sporting needs by heading over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. When you open an account and use our special promo code NFL100, you will get a 100% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Again, that's code NFL100 for your 100% welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, now, so so let's flip it over to the Rams defense. And from a big picture perspective, the Rams, I think, 
have had some problems with explosive plays allowed. Um, what's going on with that that back end? I mean, they've got Jalen Ramsey, who's a shutdown cornerback, but why have the Rams been so, I guess, uh, let you know, less than stout against those big plays? Yeah, that's a, a, sta- a sound observation. I mean, right now, compared to last year, especially, the defense is just not playing as well. And uh, like you mentioned, I think probably the biggest area of weakness right now is the secondary, which is tough to say because you mentioned Jalen Ramsey's there. You got a lot of players that the Rams invested a lot of draft picks and money and time into and guys that are very talented, uh, which makes you beg the question, what's going on there? So right now it looks like Darius Williams, the opposite corner of Jalen Ramsey, probably not going to play in this game. He's got an ankle sprain. He suffered on Thursday night football. Uh, Sounds like he might even be a candidate for short-term IR. Mind you, we're discussing this before any moves are made. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, he is on IR. So not going to play in this week, which is going to hurt the Rams. And that's unfortunate because just last week, the Rams had David Long Jr. out there as the third corner. They pulled him in favor of Robert Rochelle, a fourth round rookie. And now David Long is going to have to go back into the lineup in place of Williams who can't play. So there's definitely a lot of susceptibility, I think, in this unit. If, you know, whoever's playing quarterback for the Giants here, probably going to want to avoid Jalen Ramsey. I would say that's not your favorite matchup to take, but there is definitely going to be some opportunities, I think, for big plays, like you mentioned. They have been there throughout the first four or five games for the Rams, and now you take out one of the best players in that secondary. I certainly think there's definitely going to be areas to exploit in that coverage, especially at that cornerback position. Now, speaking of Ramsey, his role has kind of changed a little bit this year. He's playing more of a star linebacker type of role, I think. Um, Has been, uh, I guess, doing a little bit work in the slot, um, you know, just playing a little bit closer. What have you observed from him? Has that made him better, do you think, in coverage? Or has that, you know, affected his game in any way? You know, I think it's uh, been solid in terms of his performance. He's just so special. You can always count on him regardless of what it is. If he's being asked to blitz, if he's asked to drop into coverage, uh, play a screen, you know, against two or three wide receivers on his own, he's still going to find a way to make a tackle for loss. And we've saw it come up multiple times this season. So in terms of his performance, I think he's as good as ever, if not even better than he was last year. The one issue, though, like you mentioned, I just feel like they're trying to do a little bit too much in terms of the versatility there. I mean, his best role and why you're paying him $24, $25 million a year is you place him on the number one wide receiver and you just tell him to get rid of that guy. And, you know, that's very valuable to a defense. But right now, Raheem Morris, the new defensive coordinator for the Rams, first year there, kind of testing out the waters. I feel like he's running him a lot in that star position, like you mentioned, in the slot. And he's doing a lot of blitzing, a lot of playing off the edge there. And I'm not sure that I agree with that just because this guy is so valuable in coverage. I don't think the best use of his resources there is to bring him on a blitz. You could pretty much put anyone there and they would give you the same production in that regard. So in my opinion, probably not the best use of that kind of talent, but in terms of what he's been able to do, you know, I feel like this guy's just as good as he's ever been. Now up front, that's where it all starts, obviously in the pit, Sebastian, Joseph day, Ashawn Robinson, Aaron Donald, they've been pretty solid for the Rams. I mean, how do you slow these guys down? Yeah. So the one thing I feel like they're still trying to get their feet under them in terms of the pass rush. They're still, you know, they've been solid in that regard, but those guys are never really going to be great pass rushers outside of Aaron Donald. Of course, that guy is just different. But um, in terms of the running game, I mean, these guys have been very, very stout. I just finished watching the tape from Thursday night football and it was basically impossible to run against these guys. I mean, the Seahawks had no success whatsoever. I don't know if it's just the strength, their alignment, a little bit of everything, but they're so good at taking on blocks in the running game. It's just so hard to move these guys. And I think the Rams do a lot of that in terms of 
you know, they want to keep the box counts light in terms of not having too many defenders in there. They want to play with their safeties back. And so they know they need to have a lot of size up front in terms of their defensive line. And so that's sort of how they've crafted this defense. you got Ashawn Robinson, Sebastian Joseph Day, guys like Greg Gaines, all guys above 320 pounds. So, you know, these guys are very stout against the run. I think if there's one area that may be, you know, they have to play a little bit better. The defensive line in general is just against the pass, right? You want a little bit more uh, consistency, I would say, against quarterbacks, trying to get a few more pressures, maybe convert some of those into a few more sacks. There's been a lot of missed sacks by this defense. So that's one area that I think they could clean up for sure. But in terms of the running game, I feel like they've been very stout against that uh, department. Yeah, and Leonard Floyd is an interesting guy. That's a guy I was hoping the Giants would sign in the offseason, but of course he went back to the Rams. And one of the things I spent, saw with him, you know, I, I caught a little bit of the Thursday night game uh, the other day, but one of the things that really impresses me is just how athletic he is and, and how, uh, you know, that got me thinking that, you know, now I don't think Daniel Jones is going to play this week because he's dealing with a concussion, but, you know, just the matchup against a, a mobile quarterback and how that's such an asset for him. Yeah. Like you mentioned, this guy is somebody that the Rams obviously signed uh, about a year ago after not really working out in Chicago as a, as a former early first round pick. And then, like you mentioned as well, there was a lot of rumors going around that the Giants nearly signed him in the offseason. So the Rams had a lot of competition. They had to pay a lot of money to bring him back. Uh, but so far through five games, I feel like he's just been very steady. You know, this is a guy that never really going to have those gaudy sack numbers like a lot of the edge rushers in the NFL. Now he's never really going to hit that 15, 20 sack mark, I don't think. But if you're looking for a guy who's very consistent week to week, can play the run as well as any edge defender in football, he's very, very smart in terms of his football IQ, never really gets caught up with all the imagery that happens in the backfield, all the motion, all that kind of stuff. He's just very sound in his assignments. And like you mentioned, just a very athletic football player. This guy is somebody that the Rams like to utilize against mobile quarterbacks. And he finds a way to step up against those guys oftentimes where you see it on Thursday night football. I don't know what it is that gets into him against Seattle, but he just turns into Reggie White. That's what I said on Twitter. Um, so good at just knowing how to mobilize against those guys. He's so good at contain and everything like that. So uh, just been a huge asset for this defense, I think. And he just affords them a lot of room for error up front against quarterbacks who just make it very hard because they can move so quickly, like you mentioned, for someone like Daniel Jones as well. All right. So where's the weakness on this Rams defense. I mean, it sounds like it's in the back end, but uh, you know, do you see another spot maybe? No, I, I do think it's probably on the back end as well. Uh, the secondary right now is going to be a question mark and it kind of already was. And now with Williams not out there, it's definitely susceptible, I think, to some big plays. You got two cornerbacks, one of which who's only started one football game in his NFL career now last week and Thursday night. And uh, another guy in David Long, who's only started about four games in his career, too. So between two guys, only five games started, not a lot of experience there outside of Jalen Ramsey. And I think also the linebackers are just subpar. You know, these guys are not the uh, greatest of talents. The Rams don't really invest a ton into this position. They got Kenny Young and Troy Reader out there. Kenny Young, who they got back in the Marcus Peters trade many years ago. And Troy Reader, and Troy Reader who was not even drafted. So they kind of lack that speed and ability and coverage. So I think they can be, uh, you know, picked apart a little bit in terms of the coverage game as well. So I think there's a lot of area for, you know, the Giants passing game to really work out their kinks here. I just think uh, in terms of the numbers, in terms of the efficiency, the Rams passing defense has not been that great this season. And I don't think they're a top 10 unit right now. Maybe they will develop into that eventually, but uh, I certainly think that passing offenses can have a lot of success like we've seen throughout the first five weeks against this defense. 
Now, of course, the Giants, again, maybe without Daniel Jones, that would be my guess. They will not have Kenny Galladay, uh, but Kadarius Toney and his ability to find soft spots in the zone. Now, that's a matchup I know I'm looking forward to seeing because I, I don't know how much uh, the Rams run zone coverage, but Tony, the last couple of weeks, has really made opposing defenses play. Do you see a potential headache for, for him? And how do you see the, the Rams potentially defending him? Yeah, they do play a lot of zone coverage, so that could be an issue. Uh, and I did have close eyes on that Cowboys-Giants game as well, and he looked absolutely outstanding. I mean, uh, the Rams have had a little bit of issues tackling guys in the open field, and I know that's kind of his calling card is turning five-yard plays into 25-yard gains. That's just what he does so well. He's a yards-after-the-catch guy. So I do think that he could have a lot of success in this game. Uh, it really just depends on who and how the Rams want to play it. I mean, I think if the Rams... Uh, are afforded the opportunity to kind of just place Jalen Ramsey on him. It might be a little bit of a tougher game, but throughout five games, the Rams have not done that. They've not allowed Ramsey to shadow number one or, you know, most important receivers. And of course, if the Giants do get guys like Kenny Galladay back, it's only going to make it tougher for them to do something like that. So I do think there is an ability for him to really have a good game here. I mean, uh, you look at Robert Rochelle, he's not a natural slot player. You look at David Long, the Rams have not let him play in the snap either until this last game and sort of uh, pigeonholed him into that spot. So feels like a lot of guys are sort of playing out of position right now, not very uh, veteran. And of course, there's a lot of susceptibility there. So I do think that this passing game, you know, as long as they can work their kinks out, if they do have to go with Mike Glenn in there, they could certainly have some success. And I think that basically does start with a guy like Kadarius Tony. Yeah, Mike Lennon, of course, does have a strong arm. He's not as mobile as Daniel Jones, but uh, that's why the Giants signed Mike Lennon in the offseason for that strong arm because they wanted to go with more deep vertical concepts. All right, so it's a final question. Biggest X factor for this game and a prediction. Yeah, so I think the biggest X factor for the Rams here is just going to be um, on the offensive side of the ball. Can they create explosive plays? You know, I think this defense is a lot more underrated than a lot of people give them credit for. You know, I, I think Joe Judge has them playing very tough uh, and especially on the front. I mean, that defensive line is very talented. They got a lot of investment there. So I'm looking at that back end and, you know, they've allowed some big plays. You look back to that Cowboys game, Amari Cooper's long touchdown, uh, some big plays over the top there. So I'm looking at Matthew Stafford. Is he going to feel comfortable in this game? Can he actually air it out a little bit? Can the Rams create any kind of explosive plays in this one, especially in the passing game? Because looking back to last year, I mean, that was really the difference between the Rams losing and probably winning that game was that Cooper Cup 50-yard touchdown, which was sort of just a broken play and lucky. I mean, you can't really re recreate that. So um, not really counting on something like that. I think just in general, though, they have to try and create big plays against this defense, allow the their own defense to sort of have a a little bit of a gap to play with in terms of the score, because if things are close, I'm not really sure you can count on those guys to get you off the field right now. So we'll see how that one works out. But in terms of the score prediction, uh, I have the Rams winning this game. I think they'll win this game, probably not as high scoring as some of their past games have been. I'm going to go with a 28 to 17 score line, relatively close. I think this Giants team, like I said, is underrated. I just think they play tough. They're never really going to get beaten up too badly. And, you know, the divisional games are always hard to predict. So I don't really take too much stock into that Cowboys game either. So I think the Rams will come out on top, but I do think it'll be a close contest between these two teams. But uh, we'll see because, I mean, as uh, as of this recording, there's a lot of potential injuries for both sides. Uh, so we don't really know who's going to suit up in this one, but hopefully both teams are good to go in this one. 
Great stuff. So, so appreciate the input. Folks, make sure you check out the Lock on Rams podcast. I'll be talking with Sosa about the Giants if you want to hear what I have to say. Hopefully you will. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Locked on Giants podcast and for making us your first listen of the day or first watch. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to keep it here on the Locked on Giants podcast. We will have another show for you tomorrow. So until then, folks, have a great one.